Last week was all about the power of patience when it comes to building an impactful nonprofit. This week, we discuss secrets to finding and attracting your organization's dream partners. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots in the for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today, we're going to be having a really, really important conversation, something that we've been learning over the last year or so, but it's so important and pertinent for organizational leaders, especially nonprofit leaders, as we're going forward and growing our organization and building our legacies. Um, It's a conversation about finding and bringing on board your dream partners. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like we we we've been going through this a little bit when we're talking about like dream clients and people that we would really love to work with and people that we really enjoy spending our lives with and getting our hands dirty in their organizations and that kind of stuff. But when it comes to nonprofits, what what is a dream partner? Um, a dream partner for a nonprofit. I mean, this is going to vary nonprofit to nonprofit. It really comes down to who you as a leader really like to partner with. Um, But often when we're talking to leaders of nonprofits, um, the way that they go about trying to find the people that are going to partner with them is kind of what what platforms are we on? How can we start kind of asking for stuff? And it kind of starts at like the end of the conversation where it's just like, I seem to get my word out there and hope someone grabs onto it versus starting way back at the beginning and actually identifying who the person is that you're trying to work with. Um, Years ago, when Ted and I were doing a different kind of work, we had not really defined who it was that we wanted to partner with. And so our attitude was kind of, well, as long as we can partner with anyone, then at least we have partners and that makes it good. And unfortunately, through that process, we ended up having partners who we didn't necessarily enjoy the conversations with. Um, When we would get a phone call, it'd be one of those like, oh, do, do I have time to talk to this person? And it wasn't that level of excitement or enthusiasm that you want to have as a leader, because if you end up with too many of those partners who are good partners, but maybe they're not the perfect right partners for you, um, it can end up turning what you're trying to do into so much of a job that has like this heavy weight that makes it so that the conversations aren't fun. You're not connecting with them on that level. You're having to put a ton of effort into the communication. Um And it just really wears you down over time. Right. It's this idea of product first marketing. First, you find your product and then you find the people who want it. What we're talking about is reverse of that. First, you find the people and then you find out what they need. Mm -hmm. Because if you find the people that you resonate with, that you enjoy, guess what? They're probably going to be very interested in what you have to offer. And especially if you know what they need and what they're looking for. Now you can offer that, and now you spend your time talking to clients, talking to partners, talking to people who are partnering with your organization that you super enjoy, and then that comes out in your every everyday interactions in a way that is super genuine, that is 100% authentic. 
you don't have to have these conversations where you're trying to convince people that what they're giving to matters because they just get it. They already get it. Mm-hmm. And it seems a little bit backwards because so much of the way that we are taught to run things is to identify what it is that we're doing, go on to any platform that we might be able to post something on throw stuff out there and hope someone comes on board with us. Um, And when it comes to partnerships, this is a really tricky way to get partners. And you might know if you're in the situation, if you're feeling frustrated uh, with the way things are going, if you feel like people just aren't connecting to what you're saying. And part of that is having the mindset of, as long as I'm getting anyone on board, or as long as I'm telling them anything, or as long as I'm communicating everything, um, it'll work. But we know from experience that when you say anyone can help me, um, no one really truly hears that message. It doesn't resonate with really any particular person. And so what we've learned over the years is to, instead of starting at the place where most people start, it's better to start by firmly identifying who the person is that you are trying to communicate with. This is a way to cut through the noise of our modern culture. There are so many products. There are so many organizations. There are so many organizations that are doing the same thing that your organization is doing. Mm -hmm. And if you're just trying to get the word out there, you're not going to cut through the noise. However, if you start first, not like we're not having a target market conversation. This is a because a target market conversation is still product first thinking. Mm hmm. This is a people first mindset and it makes a really, really big difference. So, Lisa, let's kind of dive in and talk about some of the pitfalls first, I think, of not taking this approach. Um, I think one of the biggest pitfalls is you're going to end up working really hard uh, to put information out there that you feel like isn't reaching anyone. Um, The amount of return that you're getting for the amount of energy and resources that you're investing, um, it doesn't seem like it's working. And even when it does work, the payoff doesn't feel good. It's like, okay, I did all this work. I got these people on board and now I have to do the work of, you know, all the communication. And it's almost like the more success you have, the more of a burden it feels like you have. Yeah, you start to get trapped and annoyed by the people that you're working with um, because they're your source of income or they're your source of being able to get things done rather than being excited to be able to work with these people. I, I would say that's another pitfall is that. You just live your life being frustrated and annoyed. And as an organizational leader is trying to change the world, you cannot function like that because <laughs> people smell it from a mile away. We've, we have that conversation a lot, too, with clients is like it doesn't matter if you are passionate about what you're doing, if you are so beaten down by it <clears throat> that uh, that it's just starting to suck that life out of you. People are going to pick up on that. No matter what your marketing language is or no matter what your stories are that you're telling, people are going to be able to tell that they are not enjoying this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like something about this, they hate it. And so I'm not interested. Right. And this goes back to the flywheel at the center. We have you as the leader. And if you're not engaged as the leader in that way, that you're truly excited, that you're truly passionate, that your energy is going in a positive direction, it impacts everything else that you're trying to do. And it not only impacts people that you're trying to bring on, it also impacts the people that are currently with you. Um, And so protecting yourself in this way is really, really, really important 
important. And then being able to grow your organization through bringing in the right people. And these partners could be financial partners. They could be key leadership partners. Um, there are a lot of different ways in which we need people to partner with us. Board they could members. be board members, advisors, um, all of those different key partnerships the way that you're going to attract them is one by knowing who they are but to know who they are you have to know who you are and be okay with the fact that you're going to say the people that i thoroughly enjoy talking to and the people i thoroughly enjoy learning from and partnering with are this one type of person and then really identifying who they are and going that direction i think you just you said something really important there which is <clears throat> It's not just people that you're looking for something from, but also people that you are wanting to give something to uh, in return for something. So it's not just you're looking for fun people to give you funds or people to volunteer with your organization. This is also people that you hire out to do certain things, whether that's consulting or whether that's advising in a certain area or staff or employees or or whatever. Like these these are people that you are going to pay for a service you want them to resonate on that personal level too because you don't want them butting heads with you all the way along. It's going to be a super annoying interaction. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like on a personal level, um, if I'm hiring someone for our business that's like a CPA or we need business cards printed or we need to hire anything out, I'm looking for that person who when I have to reach out to them in order to get something done, I am excited to talk to them because the energy that I put into that relationship is either going to spiral me into the direction of wanting to work more and being excited about what I'm doing or it's going to sap my energy for the next couple hours and then I'm going to be kind of useless for the rest of the day. And we can understand that on a personal level, but we need to bring this into the mindset of leadership where we need to recognize that the people that we surround ourselves with are either going to be people who spiral us into further success and into further growth, um, or it's going to sap our energy for the long term with our organization. And a big part of this is recognizing who those ideal partners are knowing who it is that you also care about seeing succeed. Um, in mm. organizations, we're looking to make a massive impact. And that's an impact not only on the cause that we're trying to um, make forward progress in, but it's also a positive impact in the lives of every person who's connected to us through the process. Um, that's where a larger legacy comes into play, where they're feeding off of our energy and realizing, wow, if I if I partner with these people, I'm going to be able to leave a bigger legacy or, you know, them being inspired <clears throat> by working with us. Um, so do you want to talk about kind of how to start that process of identifying that person? Because that can be that can be hard. Yeah, it, it can be. So the the first thing is to recognize who are the people that you respect so you know there when you have respect for someone for a certain thing in your life chances are uh, they're not going to be someone that you get frustrated with when they do certain actions you're going to be probably a little bit inspired by what they do so you want to recognize that first who are the people that i respect and i like what they do and i like how they think about life and how they think about the world mm -hmm. 
Um, Part of that, too, is when you look at the people that you respect, they're probably not always going to be peers. Um, Sometimes they're the people that you look at and you're like, I respect you and maybe I feel a little bit intimidated by you (laughs) or I'm trying to, you know, ask you for something big, but I don't know if I'm the person who can ask that of you. I know for myself, whenever I'm looking at people, it's easy for me to talk to people who maybe I've had a little bit more experience in some areas. But when I have those phone calls with someone who is way smarter than me in an area, it becomes a little bit more intimidating to ask them for something or to ask them to get on board with what I'm doing. Um, But those are the people that you really like if you can hone in on those people and understand how to communicate with them and how to show them what it is that you're doing, you're elevating the people around you, which then helps your organization grow at a much faster rate. So start by making a list of the reasons you respect the people that you respect and try to pinpoint a few common factors that you're like, wow, I respect these types of people. They Mm -hmm. do this, they do this, they do this. Um, The next thing that I would recommend is who are the people that you really enjoy hanging out with and talking with and interacting with? So who are the people that if they call your phone, you don't want to ghost them. You want to answer it right then because you're like, oh my gosh, I just love talking to this person. So we're, we're basically going to be creating, we're creating like a little bit of a Venn diagram situation here where we're going to try to combine the people you respect and then figure out out of those people, who are the people that you really like hanging out with? Um, because we want all those things to come together. So that way you have a very, very clear picture of who this person is. So yeah, enjoy hanging out with who, who's the person that you could go and just have coffee with. And like the time seems to fly by Mm -hmm. and you forget that, oh gosh, it's been two hours. Um, and you both feel like that, (laughs) not just you. Um, but then also like, who are the people that you like to just play games with? Or who Mm -hmm. are the people that you like to go and have dinner as you bring your families together. Yep. Or who are the people that if you're like at Target and you run into them, which are who are the people that light up your face? And you're like, oh, my gosh, hi. And you have that moment of, oh, I wish I could stay and talk to you longer, but I actually have to go grocery shopping right now or whatever it might be. Who are those people in your life? Yeah, like, as opposed to the people who you're like, thank God we have to wear masks right now because they can't tell. They, they don't know if I'm actually me. So I can avoid them <laughs> and they won't feel like I'm avoiding them. Not that we have any of those people in our lives. No, so. no, no. Of course, this is not personal. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely have those people. <laughs> um, but looking at those people. So you kind of have the people that you respect and not just, I mean, have the names, but really look at the qualities of the people, who they are, uh, their mindset, what it is that you respect about them. And then look at those people that you really enjoy and figure out the qualities about those people as well. Um, Maybe it's their communication style. Maybe it's just their attitude toward life, their mindset, whatever it might be, look at those and consider those. Sometimes we get um, a little bit we don't want to narrow down the pool too quickly, you know? So when we're saying, look at this group of people and this group of people, chances are in our brains, we're like, oh my gosh, if I narrow it down to these two groups of people, I've just cut off 95% of the people in our lives. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about this in a little bit, but for right now, just trust us. Think through who the people that you respect and who the people you enjoy. If they call you right now, your face is going to light up, you're going to answer the phone, and the conversation is going to be easy. Next identify the people that you care about what they care about 
um, there the like what are you called to do? Like what is your life's purpose and who are people who share similar life purposes? It doesn't necessarily need to be the same thing and probably shouldn't be the exact same thing, but who are the people that share that same kind of drive? Maybe it's like we, we want to change the world uh, starting with overseas. We want to impact families in the United States or we want to, you know, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a religious thing, right? Where you're just like, who are the people that care about spreading uh, the gospel or whatever, right? So you want to think about what are the, who are the people that care about the things that you care about? Now draw those into three different circles and we're going to start narrowing down to the not, not specific people. We don't want to necessarily get to specific people yet. But we want to be able to narrow down what are the qualities of this dream partner. Um, I, I would also say this too: you do want to factor in what kind of um, organizational needs that you're looking for. So, mm-hmm. um, if it's funding, what kind of wage do they earn? Like, how much money do they have at their disposal? Um, are you trying to, are, are you, do you really enjoy hanging out with people and working with people and respect people who are like, yep, I want to, I want to give $5 a month to an organization? Or is it more like I want to really, and I really enjoy the people who give like $10,000 a month to organizations? Along with that, I'd say no if that person is already giving somewhere. Um, do you want to be the person who's trying to teach someone the value of giving? Or do you want to be the person who is connecting with people who already see the value of philanthropy? Mm. Um, what is it? Do you want to be the teacher of that? Or do you want to partner with someone who's already doing it, but is maybe looking for somewhere else to be able to give or they want to give more? Volunteerism. That's another way to look at this, too. Like, think about, are they already volunteering somewhere? Do I have to teach them the value of giving some of their time or... Do I want to work with people who already value giving their time to causes that matter? Mm -hmm. And this is going to be a little bit different depending on who it is that you're looking for. So if you're looking for someone who can um, kind of fundraise on their own, you're looking for a strategic partner who is self-motivated, who's going to give to your organization, but then maybe there's someone who also likes to share share what you're doing and be able to like funnel more money toward your organization, that's going to be someone different than I need to build up a leadership role on my team and I really need help with some admin work. Um, if, if the admin side is something that you're looking for, you still want people who you consider wise. You still want people that you enjoy talking to. You still want people who care about the same things that you care about. Um, but the qualities that you're looking for are going to be a little bit different. In one area, you might have someone who is like a massive big picture dreamer who just wants to run after it. If you're looking to hire someone on staff, you might want them to be maybe kind of a dreamer, but maybe someone who's a little bit more task oriented yeah. or detail oriented or that kind of thing. So So this isn't going to be your one person for every single area, but figure out what your biggest need is right now, answer the questions for that need, and let's really drill down and figure out who that ideal partner is for you in the season. Then we're going to challenge you to give that partner a name. It's best if they're not a real person that exists, but give them a name, give them an occupation, give them, you know, put them in a, in a box really of like, what does this person do in their family life? What does this person do? Are they married? Are they single? Do they have kids? Do they not have kids? Are they retired? Like really try to nail down 
a lot of detail about this person because mm-hmm. you want to understand who they are on so many levels so that way you can go out and start to find them. Yeah. Um, what generation are they a part of? That's a uh, big one. <laughs> what do they do in their free time? What are their hobbies? Are Do they enjoy sports or do they enjoy video games? Do they enjoy music? Music. Do they Are they a foodie? Like, what is it about this person? What makes them tick? What do they care about? What are they currently doing? What are they looking for? What are their desires for their life? Um, those questions are really, really, really important because if you can clearly identify who this perfect person is, like if you could create this person and here's who they are and their age and how they communicate and all these different things, if you could make this person, who exactly would they be? Exactly. Like it's super, super detailed about this person. Now that you know who this person is and you know every facet of their life, you know how often they use the restroom every day. All right. Now you can start to think about how do I find this person? You know, because if you know that they uh, in their free time, they are on a sports field. You need to start thinking, well, man, this this person really they're always on the sports field. I need to go and attend sporting events Mm -hmm. like that's where I'm going to find them. I'm not going to find them. By posting random stuff on Facebook. I'm not going to find them by going to uh, a church conference. I'm going to find them on the sports field. Maybe they're coaching kids sports or something, right? So now that you know, now you know where to find them. So then it's just a simple matter of going and just trying to find these people. And you're going to go where you feel like the highest concentration of these people exist. So that way you have a higher likelihood of finding them. Then you just make friends. Mm-hmm. It just it becomes so natural, you know, the, the, the sales process, if you're thinking about it from a from a sales point of view, it becomes so easy because you just start talking. You find this person, you you uh, talk about things that you enjoy. Eventually, they ask what you do. And because this person cares about the things that you care about and because you respect them, uh, there's a chance that they're going to respect you now, too. They're going to be interested in what you have to say. It, you don't have to convince them of anything. Uh <clears throat> An old sales adage is a man convinced against his will is of his opinion still. And the idea with that is if you have to convince somebody to buy something or if you have to convince somebody to give to an organization or if you have to like twist their arm to get them to volunteer, there's still a person who doesn't want to do those things. Mm hmm. Maybe you convince them for the short term, but they're not going to become that long term person within your organization or a long term person for your organization. And if they do, they're probably going to be the kind of person that you're annoyed with. And that's not going to fuel you long term. (laughs) You want to be surrounded by people that make you want to keep going, Mm -hmm. not people who make you want to quit. Now, another huge bonus of this is if you have your person very, very clearly defined, you can also ask the question, what platforms are they on? Um, You can also ask the question, do they check their email? Uh, You can ask the question, how do they like to be communicated with? You already know, do they prefer stories or do they prefer metrics? We still encourage you to include both. But if you understand who that person is, communicating with them becomes so much easier because you're not trying to communicate in all of the ways all the time in order to hit everyone. You're really dialed in and able to simply communicate exactly what it is that you want to communicate. And you know that they're going to understand it right now um i know right now there are probably people listening going but if i have that one person i've just knocked out 99.9 percent of the population um how is this really going to help me grow my organization 
So do you want to talk about that a little bit or else? Yeah. So we've talked about this before. When you're going after what you're passionate about, people are attracted to that. And what's cool is when you find other people who resonate with you and are passionate also, guess what? There are people in their lives that are going to want to come along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Now, they're not necessarily going to be your dream partners, but they're going to see what their friend is doing or their dad is doing or whatever and say, hey, that's that's important. I want to actually contribute to that. And maybe they start volunteering or start giving or or start leading in the organization because they're kind of caught in the wake of the massive movement that this other person is doing in their mm-hmm. life. And people tend to hang out with people who are similar to them, whether I mean, a lot of times, especially with like personality type things or passions or whatever it is. And so when you identify who the one person is, chances are you're going to tap into a network of people who are all similar to that. They might not be 100% the person that you just wrote down on the piece of paper. Um, But think about it. Even if you have someone who joins your organization who is 60% of what you wrote down, that's still better than someone who has none of the qualities that you're looking for. And so even someone who's 60% He's still going to understand your communication style. If they're on an email list and you're sending out email, they're still going to resonate with it. Um, If you're communicating with them in a way that feels natural to you and you're excited about it, they're going to understand your excitement and they're going to be drawn into what it is that you're doing. So in the process of dialing it down to one person, you're not saying no to everyone else. You're just allowing yourself to be so incredibly clear that you're answering your own questions and making the work so much easier for yourself while at the same time becoming more effective in what you're doing. That's exactly right. And now if you are a person who tends to really try to talk to everyone all the time because it's just kind of naturally who you are, I know I'm kind of this person, I'm going to give you permission right now to say no. So Lisa was just saying you're not saying no to everyone else. Um, And that's true. But you also need to have permission to say I'm purposefully not trying to talk to this person Mm -hmm. so in a a sense you are going to say no to some people and that's good that's okay because in in trying to whittle down who our dream partners are we do have to be willing to categorize i mean we made circles of people right there are tons of people who aren't in any of those circles (laughs) in our lives and so recognize that you can't just draw a big circle and say well everyone is my dream partner that is so false I do not like it when people say that <laughs> Like in business. Everybody's my my favorite client. Everybody's my the best organization to work with or everybody is my 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 I'm looking for anyone to volunteer in my organization. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not like, let's 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 figure this out. Like, are you uh, building houses? You might want people who have arms, you know, like it's OK to say, I don't want you to try to help build this house. You don't have arms, but there's something else you can do. <laughs> It's okay to say no Mm -hmm. in certain circumstances. Um, So take that permission and just let it be okay. Because when you say no, you are giving more focus to your yeses. Yes. Yeah, that's really true. Because so often we get focused on trying to say yes to everybody that no one hears anything that we say. Yeah, it's just it's totally noise. Um, So 
this kind of brings it into a, a marketing discussion a little bit. In, in college, I studied some economics and some things about markets. And there's this, uh, there's a principle called the long tail curve. And if you can imagine a, a, a curve, it's an exponentially decreasing curve. Okay, it, this is sort of tough on a podcast to explain an <laughs> image, but I'll try my best. Uh, you can also just Google it, long tail curve. But it starts out really, really high. Just tons of people in the very beginning of, of, the, of the long tail. And then it like decreases and as you get further away from the start it gets smaller and smaller and smaller so basically when you try to reach everybody there's a large part of the population that fits into that first category the people that are gonna are gonna pay attention but as you get more specific about what you're offering uh, from a product perspective or more specific about who what your cause is or what exactly you're trying to accomplish, there are fewer and fewer people that are interested in that specific thing. Now, in the 1920s, cereal companies could make a cereal and just mass market it to everybody because the the market wasn't inundated with tons of cereal commercials. But I remember in the 1990s, TV commercials, it was like every commercial was cereal. Every commercial. Every commercial was cereal. They were all trying to market to the masses. And I mean, to be fair, like cereal is a little bit more of a mass market product, a little bit. But if somebody would have just said, hey, we have a different, like it started to happen. I remember uh, Best Friends cereal, <laughs> like had like two uh, retired elderly people on it and it was like a brand cereal like it was meant for older people and their marketing was for older people no kid is interested no family is interested in buying best friend cereal but I can guarantee you there were a lot of elderly people who are like I need to up my fiber I need to whatever and there are happy old people that look healthy on the front of the box they were tapping into the long tail because while they were tapping into a smaller group that group was way more interested in their cereal than they were in all of the other cereals. Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, best friends cereal, I'm sure did pretty well mm -hmm. <laughs> because like older people are just like, I'm going to get that. So like um, the, the concept holds true when we're talking about finding your dream partners. The more you whittle it down, the more you're moving further away from the masses of people but you're getting more specific. The cool thing about the long tail curve is while it shrinks in number, the amount of care and passion goes up. So if you're way out on the end and you have 10 people who care about this thing, those 10 people care a lot. They are all in. And having 10 people who are all in caring about your organization can be way more beneficial. Can be way more beneficial than having 500 people who really don't give a rip what happens tomorrow. Yep. Like they might know about it. They might give you a few bucks. But if you have 10 people who are like, I am in this with you. I am committing my life to your cause. I want to see this move forward. I'm going to do whatever I can do in my power to make this happen. Those 10 people are going to have a way bigger impact than 500 people who are giving you five bucks a month. And nominally interested. And, and not really talking about what you're doing. Because your they're change. just doing it because why not? Exactly. So hopefully this conversation is uh, helpful for you guys. Remember, we've got our four four circles in the Venn diagram that we're really trying to nail down. People that we respect, people that care about the things that we care about. Also, people who are like financially in the position to be the right kind of fit for the partners that we're looking for. <clears throat> 
and maybe financially isn't necessarily the best thing, but also like uh, leadership qualities or like think about like the resources that they have to be able to give, right? Because that might be a better way to look at it. Do they have time to volunteer or do they make time to volunteer, right? Mm-hmm. What was the fourth circle? I forgot what um, it was. What role you're looking to fill. Oh, yeah, that was right. Yeah, finding the people for that because you do not want to have the right person in your organization filling the wrong position. Totally. Um, that right person will leave or that wrong position will get filled and then not done the way that you need it to get done. Yeah. Neither one is great for you. <laughs> oh, I guess... I Sorry, I forgot. It's also the people that you like to hang out with. Yeah. The people that you just enjoy because... You don't want to be wanting to put your head in a blender uh, every three months because you're or every day <laughs> because you're working with these people that are are, are just like frustrating you. That mm-hmm. frustration is going to come out in your leadership. That frustration is going to come out in the, your vision casting. That frustration is going to come out in your own personal growth. And it's just it's poisonous. Mm-hmm. It's super, super important that you really identify who this key person is have a super clear vision for who they are, know who they are. If we come to you and we're chatting one day and we're like, hey, who's that ideal person? If you can't tell us their name, their age, what they do for fun, what their background is, how much money they make, what they give toward currently, what their education background is, where they grew up. If you don't know that person, then we're going to look back at you and say that's part of the issue. That's why you're not finding the people is because you don't know the one. You don't know who that perfect person is that you're looking to partner with. And so your communication isn't exactly what you need it to be. Now, when you're factoring in these dream partners, here's an important thing to look at. With your dream partner is going to come certain other kinds of problems. There's no perfect partner. Mm -hmm. Um, I was listening to our business coach talk with uh, with somebody else about they landed this really, really big contract with this company. It was like a six figure plus contract. Um, and that he was like, that's really good. But now you got six figure plus problems. He's mm-hmm. like, they're paying you a lot of money, which means they're expecting a lot, which isn't necessarily bad. But like, do you want to deal with those problems? And and I remember her saying like, yeah, I think I can do that. And he's like, OK. Do you want to deal with the law implications? Because if you don't deliver to their satisfaction, they're going to sue you. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen with a smaller contract. But when you're talking six figure contracts, it's possible to come after you and take it all back after you put in a bunch of work. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I never thought about that before. So you want to think about your dream partner and the problems that may come with your <laughs> dream partner and say that is the uh, that is the the nasty sandwich that I'm willing to eat along with the good parts of having this dream partner. Yeah, that's a conversation we have a lot is no matter who you're working with, there's always going to be something that you don't want as a part of it. There's always going to be work that you're not going to enjoy or maybe there's going to be just a part of the relationship that you're like, this isn't quite what I want to deal with. But every single thing that you do within an organization has problems. Every single thing that you do in life has some sort of problem that has the potential of coming with it. So the thing is you want to choose your problem. Um, If you're saying, I want my one dream customer who's going to give everything that we need to fully fund the organization, the problem that you have with that is you have to keep that one person happy because if they walk away, everything crumbles. Right. Um, If your dream is that you have 
a thousand people all giving $25 a month. And, you know, that's your dream. And that's what you're going to go for. The problem with that is that you're going to be constantly trying to fill up and make sure that you have those 25,000 people. If a thousand of them fall off, you're going to have to find a thousand more people and you're going to have more of a churn. So whatever it is that you're choosing, you have to know that having this perfect person does not mean that there are no issues and no problems. It doesn't mean that everything just suddenly goes perfectly. Um, It just means that the problems that you're going to have working with them are going to be ones that you're going to feel are worth dealing with. And they're going to be the ones that are going to be worth getting to the other side of so that your organization can continue to grow. This has been an awesome conversation, Lisa. I'm so glad that we had this. Yeah. And uh, if you would like a little bit of extra accountability and you just want to say like, hey, this is how I'm running this in my organization, how I'm thinking about this stuff. We love to receive emails from you guys. You can always send us an email to office at LegacyBuildersINTL.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts and kind of how you're processing through this stuff as well. Um, And sometimes just writing things out can really help you to solidify them in your life and get some things off your chest. So uh, feel free to send that to us. We love receiving those emails. And uh, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersINTL.com. 